welcome to another episode of the Athlete Journal. I am so honored to be here today with the one and only Emma Inch. Emma, welcome on. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Maddie. Yes, of course. So Emma and I actually go way back um, along with her sister, Abby and her parents, like good family friends. Uh, we all ran track together in high school, but Emma's main sport is swimming. She is an absolute stud. Um, swim at MSU and honestly had an amazing freshman year. Uh, she was a Big Ten distinguished scholar, academic all Big Ten, um, and at the Big Ten championships, swam three events, it looks like, the 200 fly, 400 IM, and 500 free, um, and you scored. Yeah, yep. I Which scored in the know, a big deal as a freshman to score um, at the Big Ten championships. So um, that was really cool. Uh, on top of that, also, she at one point was ranked 99th overall in USA Swimming's World 100 in the under 18 division and the 1500 free. And you swam two new varsity records in the 400 free and the 1500 free open at the US Open. Is that right? Yes. So uh, just obviously a stud. That's like all I'm trying to say. I'm sure I'm missing things. Is there anything particular of your swimming career that you want to highlight? Before? Oh my gosh. No, you brought up things I honestly didn't even know. So <laughs> you're, you got it, Maddie. <laughs> so yeah, I always try to do my research before. I hope I didn't misspeak in any of that. But uh, a great distance swimmer. And um, it's just always been a pleasure knowing Emma. I've known her gosh, many years now. And on top of being a fantastic athlete, she is one of the best teammates you could ever have. So supportive. She always brings that energy and is a fantastic leader as well. So we're going to get into a lot of that. But um, Emma, the first thing I want to talk about is that you've had a very interesting college career in that you started out at Michigan State, which yes. your sister Abby also is an athlete there, um, runs cross country and track. So you grew up a Michigan State fan. You get to swim for your dream school. You score at Big Tens, and then all of a sudden, COVID comes around, and your swim program all of a sudden is getting canceled. Like, wow! You plan on going to a school, you sign right, and you know you think that you'll be able to swim there for your entire career, and then all of a sudden, this ball it gets dropped on you. So, I guess first of all, talk about how you felt when you heard that news, and if you kind of saw it coming or not. Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. And um, oh my God, I was just doing my own little research before coming on here and I was making sure I got the date right of when we were cut, but it was October 22nd, it was 2020. And that feels like so long ago now, but I was at home for the semester um, because of health things and then COVID. And I remember my coach texted me and he's like, you need to come to campus. And I was like, like, did someone die? Like, is everything okay? He's like, right. I can't, I can't say what's wrong, but you have to come to campus. So then I knew something, a little, something drastic was happening. So I remember driving up, I was like, oh my God, like, okay, I know someone didn't die. And then it did appear in the back of my head, like maybe we're being cut. I know a lot of other programs were at the time, especially swim and um, running like low Olympic revenue sports. But um, we got there and pretty much immediately the former athletic director at the time, Bill Beekman, announced that we were being cut. And I remember being in shock, but my first response wasn't like sadness. Like I remember looking around and 
everyone was crying and I kind of was like, come on, Emma, like you should be crying right now. But looking back on the moment, I think I was just so, like I said, shocked and um, it didn't feel real at the time, but it all feels real now. But certainly in the moment, it was it was hard to believe. So. Yeah, I can't I can't even imagine. I feel like that's just getting the rug like ripped out from under you. But um, honestly, 2020 hit everyone hard, but I do not think it hit people as hard as it hit you given the fact that you all of a sudden realize that you don't have a team to swim on and you know it's it's not that you were thinking about transferring or anything like that beforehand at least in my understanding like you really liked it there and then as you mentioned you're also dealing with some health issues and yeah um you know i if you want to kind of talk more into that and i know your story but that <laughs> you know you're one of the many female athletes who had to overcome an eating disorder and i think yeah. it's something that you know, it's so brave that you're willing to talk about that and bring it up because I know it is a personal thing. But also, I think the more we have conversations about that and people can kind of hear your story, the more empowering it is for other female athletes to encourage each other to check up on each other and make sure that, you know, you don't have more people that have to go through what you went through. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Maddie. You're so complimentary. Um, yes. So I was at home this semester that our program was cut. This was um, 2020, so fall 2020, and I developed anorexia that summer, kind of, I remember I had to go to the hospital, it was like late July, that was like when the kind of eating issues turned into a disorder with a label, and my immediate thought when I was taken to the hospital was like, I don't want to have to miss swimming, which looking back on it, like, I'm glad I didn't have so many other health issues. Swimming should not have even been in my mind at that point. But ultimately, like middle, late July, I was diagnosed with anorexia. And then I kind of had to deal with that through taking a break from exercising, of course, and taking a break from my mental health up until I didn't swim again until about the end of December, beginning of January. I think like the day before Christmas or something was my first time back in the pool. And I will never forget how that swim felt. It was like, I remember not even looking at the clock because I didn't even want to see what times I was going, but it it felt so good. I know. I I remember like blocking my eyes from the clock. So I was like, I do not want to see what I'm going. No, but, (laughs) but it felt so good to clear my head. And anyways, so I dealt with anorexia and it, it was really difficult. I had a lot of anxiety that kind of attached itself to my eating habits. And then it ultimately just spiraled into a really bad, you know, eating disorder situation. And I think at the end of the day, I hate saying like, oh, the silver lining of our team being cut is that it really helped my eating disorder. But I think approaching our team being cut as kind of an opportunity for not only myself, but all my teammates to kind of find, find themselves outside of the pool. For me, it was finding myself back in the pool again. Um, I remember after being cut, I was like, I, I need to recover. Like I cannot keep doing this to myself. Yeah. And it was kind of a wake up call. Yeah. It was kind of a wake up call for myself. And after our team was removed, I, really took a lot of time to get back to my old body and my old eating habits because I wanted to make it my goal to swim at the final big 10 meet for Michigan state. 
and that was February. So I kind of gave myself a little timeline of you're going to recover. Of course, I did it safely, but looking back, I'm really grateful I could compete in the last Big Tens because that meant the world to my teammates and myself and my coaches. So, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. That may not be like as aware of a situation. I mean, I've been in a sport where, you know, any sort of, I feel like endurance sport has more, you know, female athletes has more people that have to, you know, go through some sort of similar thing that you did and and with orders. And it's like, people don't always understand how hard it is get out of your old habits and it's not as simple as like switching and following a strict meal plan it's no so much more like you said and anxiety yeah. is so to that and I mean obviously I don't blame you like you know yes. everything is going on with COVID you can't train as you normally are like as athletes we are so ingrained in our routine and you know especially sports like swimming where you know you're in the pool twice a day and the more yeah. you are able to swim Again, I don't want to like speak out of term because I don't know everything about like swimming. No, that's swimming. right. Yeah. The right. more, the better. You guys yeah. are always in the pool. Like, I, no, I seriously. Away by the amount that you swim. And so to suddenly have to try to navigate that in a pandemic when pools mm-hmm. were closed, I mean, that just kind of adds to things. So yes. um, just from the outside, seeing how you approached your recovery with so much maturity and grace, and I'm sure it wasn't easy and there were probably really, really hard days, but the fact that you came back and now you're so healthy and strong and that you made it for that timeline, that goal, like you said, not only for yourself, but you even just said for your teammates and your coaches, like that's incredible. So, um, I guess is, and we're going to move on to another topic after this, but you know, if there's anyone else out there that might, um, I guess find themselves maybe in a similar situation that you were in, you know, is there anything that you think that you could say to them that might, you know, I guess help them get through it or someone that is battling an eating disorder. And yeah, yes. And as you were talking, I was, I'm so glad you asked that question. Cause I was just thinking like, I remember, um, before I was like officially diagnosed in like June, I was talking to one of my friends and I was like, I, you know, I could never get an eating disorder. Like I could, I love food too much. And I feel like as I went through my disorder and then recovery, I realized how, and I know this is cliche, but every single case of eating disorders and specifically every case of anorexia is so different. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be eating for body image issues. You could be having trouble with your eating for, you know, mental health issues. For me, it was anxiety and whatnot. So I guess my biggest thing is if you're struggling, don't feel like you have to compare yourself to maybe a friend or a teammate who struggled because every single case is so different. And for me, recovery, honestly, it lasted a lot longer than it did through February. I recovered that whole year and I feel like I still am. So don't make recovery and don't make your disorder um, a comparison game because I think it's really important. And my dad always says this to put the horse blinders on and just kind of follow your own path. And I know that's really hard, especially eating disorders, which kind of thrive off of competition and seeing what other people's bodies look like and what other people eat. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, my biggest advice would be just try to stay positive and stay your own course, not anyone else's. I know those words help me a lot. So maybe they'll help someone else, but I'm sure they will. And that honestly just goes for anything in life. Like it's so sure. Like the comparison game, especially when you're a competitive D1 athlete, like (laughs) 
<laughs> of course it's natural to do, but yes. um, the fact that you recognize that and kind of, again, have like the maturity to be able to um, realize that that's what it took. And I think that's yeah. going to serve you so well for the rest of your life. And hopefully other people can kind of do the same thing. So oh, thank you. I know both of our sports are, it's pretty, pretty easy to see who's in front of you and who's behind you. You can just look at right and then look at the decimals so I know sometimes I'm like maybe what if I did a team sport in college that would be much different (laughs) oh believe me I've thought about that a lot too (laughs) (laughs) but obviously loved my sport but um it does you put a lot of pressure on yourself and again when it's such a concrete thing to compare is you know you're racing the clock other people don't understand your story or your training block or what you have going on. All they see is the time, you know, are you better or worse than you were before? But in the end, there's actually so much more that goes into it. Um, so yeah, just something to keep in mind for all athletes that are kind of in the same sort of situation, but so moving on. So your program got cut, your, you know, battled this eating disorder, recovered from it, or, you know, obviously an ongoing process. But the amazing thing is like, you did not give up without a fight in terms of fighting for your teammates in your program and led the charge for the MSU battle for swim and dive. You is my understanding, like created this Instagram account, got so many people in the sports community, like outside of swimming, even to get involved for this and kind of told the story um, of how your program was getting cut. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, A, what inspired you to lead this charge? Because it's really intimidating when you're going up against one of, you know, the largest athletic departments in the country. And then how did you kind of gain momentum through that? Yes. So, God, you really do your research, Maddie. So, yeah, our account, it's Battle for Spartan Swim and Dive. I started it the day after we were cut. So October 23rd, if we want to be specific. But I remember... Um, we had a Zoom call with the current team and a bunch of Michigan State Swim and Dive alumni. And after talking to them, it really just kind of lit this fire within me that like there's so many people who have swam or dove for this school. And it's easy to just look at your current teammates and think, well, you know, we could we could live without this sport. But it was seeing like the past and even potential um, future swimmers or divers that really kind of inspired myself. And then a couple other athletes helped me with the Instagram. Um, Scott Piper, he graduated in 2019, 2020. Um, He also helped me with the Instagram account and then a few alumni, but mainly the account was just made to kind of spread the word. And then from there, it turned into our main source of fighting for the program which now we have like a little over 4,000 followers, which I know I say like that isn't a ton, but for like, like these battle accounts, these reinstatement accounts, like we actually gained a really huge traction and we still have a decent amount of Olympians and some big names following us. So we're still fighting to this day, but the Instagram account has been probably our biggest um, help throughout this battle because it's just spread the word to people all over the country and, athletes specifically that have gone through similar things I've met a lot of athletes through our account and so my teammates from other programs like Clemson before they were reinstated East Carolina University swim and dive they were cut and I met some people from their program and whatnot so not only has it helped our 
programs battle, but I've also made some friends along the way, which is always fun. So. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know Emma, she is just one of the most charismatic people that I know. So it doesn't even surprise me that people would have like gotten so much traction in your following for this. But for people that haven't seen the account, A, you should look it up on Instagram, but B, can you kind of describe some of the things that you would post that would help raise awareness for yes. battling? Yes. So perfect question. So at Battle for Spartans Swim and Dive on Instagram is essentially just a bunch of different graphics that kind of explain where we're at in our reinstatement journey, um, whether that's just a post of how much money we've raised or if that's that we're selling t-shirts or I'm looking at the post right now, um, a bunch of my teammates who still go to Michigan State spoke back in September in front of the board of trustees and we have kind of what they said highlighted on our account. So it's kind of just like a little photo journal of our process and um, how you can help as well. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of posts that kind of share how you who to write to from the Michigan State Board of Trustees. And if you don't know, the Board of Trustees are the people who run the university at any public school. And for Michigan State, we call it the Board of Trustees. But at the head is the president of the university, which ours is President Stanley. So you'll often see us referring to President Stanley in our posts. And that's because he, at the end of the day, kind of has the, the word of what sports are here to stay. And then under him, we have the recently new addition, our athletic director, Alan Holler, who he's another one that we often post about to reach out to. And then if you click, we have a little link tree in our bio. Bio, I sound like a little influencer here, but <laughs> if you click the link tree, it gives you different kind of places you can send emails to. And it also shows you how to buy um, like a mask or shirt that says battle for sport and swim and dive. I know I wear mine sometimes. And then um, we also have a petition, which you can sign. So that's kind of the rundown on the account. But if you give us the follow, you'll see much more, but it's so many more people than just me helped to run it. An alumni, her name is Kayla Williams. She's been really helpful, especially as I've been at my new school. So that's the rundown, long, but sweet rundown. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you went up through all of that. And again, I hope all of our listeners check it out because, um, you know, even if you're not a swimmer, it's really cool to see a bunch of people, um, you know, athletes specifically getting together to, you know, fight for what they love. And you guys, got the short end of the stick. So I really hope that, you know, all your hard work will pay off. And I do think even if it takes a while for the program to be reinstated, just the fact that you've raised this awareness, I think is just such a cool, cool thing. So yeah, oh, thank you. That, before we go on, just a quick word from our partner Unbeknownst Co. So if you're a regular listener, you've heard me talk about this before, but if not, I'm going to tell you right now. So Unbeknownst Co. is a small woman-owned business operating out of a small apartment in Portland, Oregon, and they make really cool, unique handmade goods, including jewelry and art prints. A lot of these are inspired by um, minimalistic design and natural elements, and they're also really cool stickers, too, if you're a sticker person for your laptop or water bottle, like definitely check it out. But also Emma, the business owner, is just a complete 
like boss lady. She has a full-time job and then also runs this small business herself and does everything. So even if you're not a jewelry wearer, like it's a great place to check out gifts. I know Valentine's day is coming up. So uh, check it out, support a small business um, and athlete journal podcast listeners can get 15% off using the promo code AJP15 on her website. And again, you can find the website links on our Instagram page. So check it out. Moving on, Emma. So now I'm sure people are dying to know what you're doing next. And uh, so after having to leave Michigan State so you could continue to swim, um, which obviously I'm sure wasn't an easy decision just because you um, loved Michigan State, your sister's there, um, but you obviously love swimming enough to be able to pick up and leave halfway through your college career. So uh, you're at Virginia Tech now. So tell us a little bit about that and what the transition's been like. Yes. So perfectly worded. Sometimes I forget that I'm not a freshman because transferring is, it's legit, man. I um, am currently at Virginia Tech. It's in Blacksburg, Virginia. It's kind of um, Southwest Virginia. So definitely a different vibe than, um, you know, the Michigan East Lansing city I was in, but it's beautiful out here. The first thing I have to say is I love the beautiful mountains, but anyways, so yeah, I'm at Virginia Tech. Um, my transfer process was kind of a long one because just the timing of when our team was cut kind of screwed a lot of us over that wanted to transfer because the main window to transfer and to um, apply to swim at a school is kind of like summer through early fall and we were cut later fall. So it took me a while to find a home, but I was kind of down to Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, the tech schools, ironically, even though I'm a communications major, um, <laughs> go engineering, Maddie. But anyway, so I decided on Virginia Tech. I loved the area and ultimately I just really loved the team. And as you've kind of mentioned, Maddie, I'm a big people person. I love um, to be social. And sometimes I'm a little bit too loud in a room, but never. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I've got some volume control issues, but I've really fallen in love with the team and the team culture, the coaches and everything. So yes, I'm currently at Virginia Tech and I've really enjoyed it here. Our ACC championship meet is in about a month or so, but I certainly miss my twin sister. She's back at Michigan State and she runs there, but it's been really good for me. And I think really good for my family to kind of have this different dynamic where we're kind of all over and having to learn how to be far apart from each other, but form, you know, form those connections in other ways. Like I FaceTimed Abby, my twin sister last night for like two hours. Um, so kind of finding other ways to, to be family that aren't, yeah. So, yeah, that's great. And it's interesting because you had to deal with that transition, not necessarily because you wanted to, but because that was the way that you could continue swimming. Whereas I think other people that transfer, it's because they're leaving a school for a reason. It wasn't working out. Um, so it's cool that you were able to, you know, sometimes life throws things at you and you were able to yeah. adjust. And, um, you know, I'm sure in the end you'll learn more things at Virginia Tech that you didn't learn at Michigan State, but then be able to bring with you experiences at Michigan State to Virginia Tech that you wouldn't otherwise have. So in the end, I think you'll gain a lot from it. But talk a little bit about um, what it's been like adjusting training-wise to a new swim program. 
Um, yeah. And how different is it from what you had at Michigan State? Yes. So I would say it is very different than Michigan State was. I actually get asked this question a lot. Like Abby, my sister just asked me this the other day. She's like, is it so much harder? And my first instinct is to always say yes, because we definitely train longer than we did at Michigan State here at Virginia Tech. Like we have um, three days of triples where we swim, lift, and then swim, which is kind of a schedule I'm not used to. And then the other three days of our six day training week um, are just kind of these huge three hour practices. So in terms of the amount of time I'm spending in the pool, it's definitely more than I'm used to, but I think um, the intensity at both programs were very similar, but with there being more time in the pool comes me kind of just having to figure out my approach to my training a little bit differently. I'm very much like a go, go, goer. And I know you are too, Maddie, but having to kind of find a balance between like some days you're going to have to treat them like recovery, like you would in a recovery run. And I think about that a lot. Um, and that's okay. And I've always hated to think like that because like I said, I'm such a, like push the pace on every set type of gal, but, um, between like the eating disorder and just like the transition of training from Michigan state to Virginia tech, I've really kind of learned a really great skill, which is finding a balance in your training and then knowing when it's okay to take a break and kind of, um, push the brakes a little bit. And that doesn't make you weak. I um, have that little voice or that little devil on my shoulder. That's like, you should be go going all the time, but that's how injuries and eating issues and mental health issues happen. So I think that's been something really important that I've learned. Yeah, no, it's not weak. It's just smart and understanding your body, which is hard to do when you're so used to just pushing yourself all the time. Um, yes. that's just like been ingrained in, you know, athletes like us for so long. So, um, it's interesting that like, sometimes it takes like getting into college and just having such intense training to really realize, okay, I actually can't do this like hundred percent all the time. Right. And understanding like how to give and take while still, um, you know, training to be your best. So that's- yes, I love that. It really is a give and take. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you've learned, like, there's just certain workouts where I've like driven, I can vividly remember just driving myself into a wall. Cause I was like, I'm going to start at this pace. And then by the end, you're like dry heaving. So definitely. Right. Give it <laughs> <laughs> so another thing I want to bring up, uh, quickly is you also interned with, um, the Virago project. And I think it's kind of just ties nicely into what we've been talking about and kind of empowering female athletes. This is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to improving the physical and mental health of women athletes. So yeah, do you want to talk about that? And and is this something that, you know, if there are other female athletes listening to this, that they can maybe start to follow and might be interested in? Yes. So Thank you for bringing this up. I love the Virago project. Yeah, I interned with them um, last year and it was, I I loved it. It was amazing. I love like graphic design and that sort of thing. So if anyone's wondering what I did with them, I kind of helped like create social media posts um, through kind of graphic design. And then I also interviewed a lot of different athletes, but essentially the Virago project, and I'm looking at their account right now. So I kind of word it right, but it's kind of a mental health and women's self-empowerment account. 
aimed towards athletes, female athletes. So it's just talking about um, different stigmas in sports with whether that's mental health or eating disorders, or they talk a lot about, you know, the gender wage gap and that sort of thing, especially in sports. So they just bring a lot of, a lot to the table. And what I really like about them is they also, not only do they talk about those mental health topics and whatnot, but they also will like feature different athletes, which I think is really cool because there's not a whole lot of uh, social media traction or accounts that highlight athletes, whether that's, you know, a D3 athlete or someone that's gone pro. So I think that's really cool that they take the time to kind of figure out what, what different athletes do and how they, how they approach their sport. So I think that's one of the coolest things. If you give them a follow is that they really invest in female athletes. They're not just making these posts for show. Like they actually will take the time and they interview a lot of really cool people. So giving them a follow is a great idea and I loved working for them. So, yeah. That's so cool. Thanks for uh, giving everyone the rundown on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know I had kind of heard of it in the past and then I found out that you had interned for them and, you know, did some research and looked into it. And it's a really, really cool platform for female athletes and especially young, you know, female athletes. Like you said, there's a huge drop-off rate um, of, females that quit their sport when they're in high school. So um, just kind of looking up to older, more experienced athletes that have, you know, continued to be amazing, uh, you know, female athletes. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, well, we are running out of time, but as you guys know, always two questions at the end. One, um, kind of thus far, either in your life or specifically, you know, swimming related, whatever you want to talk about, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned? And then what are you most proud of? I think um, the biggest lesson I've learned and something I haven't really touched on is be being kind to yourself, but also being kind to others. I think finding that balance is huge in sports. And I just think of all the times that I've shown up to practice or class or whatnot. I'm just having a really bad day. And, you know, you might not notice that from looking at me, but whenever someone just comes up to me and compliments my shoes or, um, you know, says they like my earrings or whatever, I don't think I've ever been told that, but it makes my day. So I think making sure you are kind to yourself, but also kind to others is something that I have always tried to follow. Definitely not succeeded, especially if you ask my sister. Um, but that is definitely huge. And it, I feel like it, it will take you so far in the sports world and also in the professional world. Just having a heart is always good, which I don't always have one, but trying to. Is uh, you have one of the biggest hearts I know. I don't know what you're talking about. No, not always, Maddie. <laughs> I've never lived with you, but from the outside. That's, family that's key. That. <laughs> I try and do the dishes um, pretty often. If my roommate hears this, she'll come in and be like, you need to do them more. <laughs> but Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited I could talk about Michigan State and kind of that reinstatement journey. And then I also did want to add that we did file like a Title IX lawsuit for the Michigan State reinstatement battle on the woman's side. And for those who don't know, Title IX is just ensuring that there's an equal amount of women in the NCAA as there are men. So because Michigan State cut both men's and women's, it threw off their 
kind of equilibrium. So we are in the process of suing Michigan State for that. So stay tuned and follow our account to kind of hear how that lawsuit's going. But God, that was such a deep topic to throw in at the end there. <laughs> no, I'm glad you said it. I mean, it needs to happen. If it's I totally forgot to even mention that, Maddie, but Nothing good. So, oh, and then what are you most proud of? Oh, I would say I am most proud of taking a risk and transferring, Mm -hmm. especially because when we were cut, it was kind of the middle of my struggles with eating and my eating disorder. And I remember talking to my parents and I was like, I don't even know if I want to swim anymore. And thinking back on that moment, that is like, the most false thing I could ever say because I'm so so happy in the pool right now so I'm proud that I kept with swimming I would say and yeah took the leap to southwest Virginia love that and good thing that you did because again you're an awesome swimmer awesome teammate so I know you're just going to keep doing great things and really appreciate having you on it's also good to catch up I know it's like a kind of a yeah but um, (laughs) no I was just thinking that (laughs) Um, yeah really nice to see you emma and thank you guys so much for listening another episode of the athlete journal i'm madeline trevison and look forward to talking to you guys again next week thanks